Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. God is good. We'll give God a hand clap of praise. What about that worship? Well, that'll, that'll set the atmosphere right there. I ain't gonna lie. That's some good stuff. So, uh, first off, I want to thank y'all for having me. Uh, I'm blessed uh, to be up here, be able to minister. Uh, this is a packed house. I was not expecting it to be a first Wednesday, but hey, I, I'm blessed. I want to thank Pastor Justin and Pastor Cassie. Y'all's leadership is uh, far above uh, a lot that I know, and I'm blessed to be having on the leadership under y'all. Pastor Brandon, you stepped up for the internship. I didn't know Superman had a brother, but hey, there he is. Uh, so thank you for everything you've done for us and really blessed my life and uh, was able to go through this. But God is good. We can all agree to that. I hope we could. I got a question. When you think of wait, waiting, having to wait on something, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Now, I'm sure a lot of us have kids in here. How many times have you said, wait, son? Wait a minute. Hold up, as parents, we know if the kid waits, what he wants will come. We just have to be patient, wait. For me, besides the kids, it's that train at Argyle and uh, uh, Nani. If I gotta go somewhere, I'm telling you that train, honk, honk, it's coming. So that's, that's what makes me wait. A definition of wait, stay where one is or delay action until a particular time or until something happens. There are many times in the Bible that God requires men and women to wait on him to move. If we, take time to, if we take time to study those times, we can always find a connection between each situation. The connection is that God always comes through and makes a way. How many of you have heard good things come to those who wait? So to honor God's word and honor the house, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 25 and 26. And he reads, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now allow me to pray. You can be seated. God, I come to you and I love you and I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, God, hide me behind your cross. Touch my lips and let me not say what you would not have me to say, but bless me in honor that I give you honor behind this pulpit. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. Amen. So if we give some context to this chapter, in this chapter, Jeremiah recounts a time when he felt oppressed by God. Now that he is older, he looks back and sees how it shaped him into the godly man and therefore gives God the praise for the experience. I pulled this portion of scripture to express the promise God has about the process. If you ever want something good, it takes time. No matter no matter the activity, a waiting process is always involved. Today's society is what many would call a microwave society. We want it now, we want it hot, we want it packaged. The right now aspect is, is pretty self-explanatory. We ask God for something, if it doesn't happen in our time frame, it wasn't meant to be. We can see the now portion expressed in the, in the story of the prodigal son. He wanted his inheritance in his time frame, and we all know how that turned out. He was eating with the pigs. Our timing is not God's timing. But I want to focus on the other two, the hot and the packaged part of our society. Our society wants it hot. They want it new. They want it exciting. They want it hip. 
They wanted swag. But too often we don't take the time to dissect what is being spoken and realize that it's not backed by the word or it's a perverted version, a perverted version of God's word. We are blessed to have a pastoral staff here that will back up what they say with biblical truth and are willing to answer questions that may arise. Unfortunately, in America today, not all churches are like that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. This portion of scripture comes on the heels of Jesus' teaching about the wide and narrow gate. Now, I don't have time to express the significance of that scripture, but please take time and, and review back. Any scripture I say, go back, fact check, look, read for yourself. This is how God speaks. But many will be led through the wide gate by these hot teachings that only lead to destruction. But we must go through the narrow gate, which it may be more difficult and will be difficult, but leads to life. These people are fresh and clean, but spread hot trash. Without a waiting process, we are not able to fact check and allow God to reveal the darkness within. Just because something is hot doesn't mean it's always good. Think about your favorite meal. You get it a few times a year. You want it right when it comes out the pan or the oven. You want it. Oh, I've got to have that. But you have to wait for it to cool down before we can enjoy that meal. Same with someone that falls in this hot category. The excitement tends to not be genuine when the flash or flare, or in the example of food, the heat goes away. God gives us the gift of discernment to weed through these types of teachings in order to understand the facts of God's word. Progressive teachings today want to please the world and say the right thing but lack the spirit when it comes to pushing back the darkness and revealing the light God has for this world. God's process is not always the right way according to the world, but I can guarantee you this, that process that he lays before us has never failed and it never will. Recently, I heard a quote from Karen Wheaton. Anybody heard of Karen Wheaton? She's a blessing. Remember, Jesus didn't die to make sure we were happy. He died to make us holy. That's, that's tough to some people. God, uh, they, God wants me to be happy, and he does. But if you have to compromise holiness to be happy, check yourself. Ooh, I feel that. <laughs> if we take this quote to heart, I believe we can knock holes in the spoken of today's ideology. So we went through the now portion. We want it now. If we don't get it, it ain't meant to be. False. We have to wait on God's timing. We went through the hot process. Just because he's got a good hairdo and some good shoes and she looks fresh on the stage don't mean that he's speaking truth. So we have to be careful what's hot. Next, our society wants it packaged or fits in our mold. We live in a cancel culture that unfortunately is creeping into our churches. Today's church wants it our way or no way. Doesn't mean these wants are always bad, but God's word isn't always sweet to the ear. A lot of times the word will cut and sting, but it allows us to grow. How many of you heard the story of Paul and Silas? See, I'm, I'm sure if they had a choice, they would have packaged their ministry up a little differently. Beaten and thrown into a Roman jail, God had a season of waiting that wasn't very pleasant. But this season did not change that they still gave God the praise he deserved. This is, this is the free, I got a little time. In this story, they, the, the, the jail door swung open. 
If I'm in jail and my door's open, I'm going out them doors. Don't blame me. But see, in this story, the doors swang open, the, the, the shackles were loosed, they stayed. Why? Because God still had a waiting for the jailer outside to touch him and his family. See, this is for somebody. This wasn't necessarily part of my notes, but this is for somebody. There's a door opened, but doesn't always mean that God wants you to walk through it right then. He still wants you to push into him. He still wants you to ask me, God, is this the right thing I'm supposed to do? Even though it opened, do I go? While God's word doesn't always fit in our box, he does allow us to grow through seasons of waiting to truly rearrange our box to mirror the will, his will for our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we are placed in tough situations or situations that just don't make sense, we must refrain from turning to the world and asking the world for questions, but instead take a step back. Wait on God to speak. He speaks through his word. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through song. He speaks if we humble ourselves, Joel chapter 2, and ask for him to speak to us and answer us. While we are part of this society, we will face microwave situations. Even if we try to stay away, they will come. It's going to happen. We, we're going to want things now. We're, we're going to want things our way. We're going to want to be the hot face on the market. You know, we were, we were going to want these things. But this society, even if we try to stay away, they will come. I would like to close or lead that way with this. God puts us in a season of waiting more than not. You're going to face it. But that gives us an opportunity to trust in him. As we look through the word, we can see that God's plan is to prosper and keep us. Without the waiting, he can never have, we can never have the fullness of what God has for our lives. But I do want to make clear. In this season of waiting, we must not get stagnant or allow complacency to sit in. It, it, it's easy to say, well, God's not doing it right now, so let me take a step back. No. In that season, that's when you should step up a little bit more. Say, let me push a little bit deeper. Let, let, let me find a little bit more intimate relationship because maybe, maybe that answer might come a little sooner. It could prolong it because God wants to see how hungry we are. God wants to see what we have. We all have a responsibility to continue to grow in God's plan when it seems to not be moving. As we go through different situations, we can find rest in God's love and grace to carry us on. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 12, and it was mentioned during worship for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear from you. Does that sound like a God that will allow you to wait and then fail you? To me, that sounds like a God that says, trust in me and I will make a way. I will come through when you need me to. I heard this on Caleb and it spoke volumes to me. God doesn't look at your ability but he looks at your availability. See, you may, can, you, you may be the, the best baseball player. You may be the best singer. You may be, your ability is great and God's gifting you. But if you're not available when he needs you, what good are you? Now take that, I don't mean to cut too hard, but that's just the facts. God wants us to be available 
when he's ready to, when he's ready to use us we have to be ready while we are in this waiting season God God is preparing us for greatness Chill, young people God's preparing you you have a school in a community that is it is urging y'all's generation is such a it, it, Pastor Rod shared on Facebook that, that it was it was on, on point about um, this generation not wanting fake they want real you can give them the fresh shoes and you can give them the fresh cars and all that's cool but y'all want real and that's an honor to have and that's a blessing hold on to that God told me that years ago and I didn't realize it but it's here it's right now so continue to push that but God has a calling for you he has a will for your life but make yourself available to hear from God turn this if, if we can go this week and turn the microwave off run by his time slow down we live in a fast-paced society take this week and slow down whatever the situation may be God provides answers these answers may not be in the way we think they should they may not be black and white but I can promise you that if you seek God diligently if you seek God with all of your heart not just the portion not just a little bit here a little bit there but all of you he will show up and show out in your situation after Caleb speaks there's going to be in town for altar so I would like you to question this can I give God a little more time these altars will be they're all they're open at all time in the service that's the house rules but in this time when they are open for brother Caleb take your time can, can I give God a little bit more these are God's altars. He wants to meet you personally, whatever your situation may be, whatever you came in tonight dealing with, like, God, why am I still in this season? Why has it not came through? What is going on that I'm doing wrong? Lay it right here, and I guarantee you, you diligently use your heart, all of your heart, not just the piece of it, all of it, answers will come. May not be right here tonight, but I guarantee you they will come if you give it all to God. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I hope this touched you. God blessed me when I was able to write this and do this, but give it up for Brother David. Give it up for Brother David. Thank you, Brother Dean. It's going to be hard to back that up. I'm going to do my best. I got a question for everybody. Are we listening to God's word. I've got 11 weeks left and I'll have my master's degree in psychology. Right now, the class I'm in, we're dealing with, we're, we're looking at memory. 70 to 80% of our memory comes through our sight. What comes through the ears, through the taste buds, through touch? So, the word of God is living just like every one of us are we listening to the Word of God or do we have our selective hearing radars on like we have with our spouses okay do we allow human nature to overtake the understanding of discernment of God's Word away from us okay when uh, I've also, I've, I have often asked myself, why is life so complicated? Okay, how many of you have asked that question? I mean, it. Uh, if we if 
we stop and listen while we're reading this, the answer is plain. What do we mean, or what do I mean when I say this? Throughout most of our lives, we make thousands of decisions apart from God. We make thousands of decisions apart from God. If we would include him in our decisions, life might not be so complicated. Okay? We decide when to include him and when to exclude him. And it's, that's when our lives are complicated. When we exclude him from him. Trust me, I know. Two years ago, I broke my leg, as some of you know. And they told me it was going to be a year to a year and a half before I'd walk. I said, me and Pastor agreed. The first day I walked back in this church, we were still over in the other building. And he asked me, do you agree with that? And I said, no. I said, I'm walking into this church on my own two feet. And I did, thanks to God. He knows each and every decision we've made, which ones we've excluded him from and which ones we've included him in. So my main passage tonight is uh, one that we hear Pastor Justin use quite often. I think he uses it almost once a month, maybe. Um, and that's John verse 1-1. One, one. But I'm going to stretch it all the way to five. Okay? So you would stand for the reading of God's word. Let me get over. Oops, should I have that open? It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay, so thank you very much. You can be seated. I'm going to go through and break each one of those verses down and tell you what I hear from them. In verse 1, the Word was in the beginning. It was with God, and the Word was God. To me, I hear, in the beginning, God already had this book. He already knew how it was going to be developed, when it was going to be brought out, and given to us as a, our instruction manual to life. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. I hear that to be Jesus Christ, the Son. The Son was with God in the beginning. All things, verse 3, all things, so everything included in creation were made through him. And that's God the Father and God the Son. 
Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's, the, that's Jesus Christ. That's the Son. That's what I'm hearing. Verse 5. The light or life shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. What I hear there is our relationship and connection with God and our abiding love and joy in Christ so he can live through us, not us living through him. He needs to live through us. In Psalms 119.105, it says, Your word, so this word, is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. So here's another question for you. Are we allowing God to light our path? Or are we trying to artificially light it ourselves? Because we feel we have a better light. Do we have a better light? Okay. So we need to ask ourselves these things and find a true shift in our mindset. It's another great thing I'm going through right now is Battlefield of the Mind, small group, with a great woman, Jennifer Brown. Um, we need to change our mindset and the way we think. Not everything is about us. We don't need, we need His grace and His mercy to live our lives in gratitude of that grace and mercy. Going on, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 through 15. Now this is Jesus talking. You are the salt of the earth, but if your salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. When we lose our relationship or our connection with God, we start to lose that flavor. The farther we get apart from him, our flavor loosens. So what are we good for then but to be put underfoot and trampled on? Verse 14, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. If you have the love of Christ in you, let that light shine. There are so many people in this world that are living in such darkness. If you have that light, shine it, because darkness can't comprehend you. Darkness can't come near you. So let that light shine out. Everybody. If you have the love of Christ in your heart, then it cannot be hidden. It will shine from the mountaintop and be seen by all. Jesus doesn't set parameters for this. You don't have to be 
a church deacon. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a believer for 20 years in order for you to have this light. The minute you accept Jesus Christ, you have that light. Overcomes darkness, and darkness cannot overcome light. It does not comprehend it. S says so in John 1:5. So if you believe this, you got to believe that darkness cannot comprehend light. It cannot overcome it. Do not hide your light. Let it illuminate all around you. So. You can be the light of the world, as Jesus said, you are. In a few minutes when Caleb has an altar call, if your salt is losing flavor, or if your light is being diminished, you need to reconnect. You need to rebuild your relationship. Come up to these altars. I trust you, it's worth it. It's worth every minute of them. Worth that. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Caleb. Thank y'all. Amen, amen. Oh, this is exciting, ain't it? <laughs> Tell you what, I just want to start off by saying uh, what an honor it is to be in a church that is this amazing. Right. We've been here for a year now, and uh, I just wanted to start off by, of course, honoring Pastor Justin, Pastor Cassie, Pastor Brandon, the entire leadership team in general. Y'all have shown forth something that I've never seen in my 18 years of knowing Jesus and didn't know that it could be in this capacity, honestly. It is astounding. Astounding. Amen. <laughs> so um they only give me 15 minutes so that's it so we gotta we gotta uh, get on it um <laughs> i'm not gonna make y'all stand again but we're gonna start off in second corinthians 5 18 want to talk about displaying the favor of god or showing the favor of god and a lot of times when we think of favor we think selfishly right right i want the favor of god I want to be blessed, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I promise you, it's not. And don't get, most of y'all know my heart by now, so you know that I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes about it. But one of the most amazing things that we have all been given is the ability to show the favor of God. This is the gospel, is to display the favor of God before we get too far. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. We could just praise him right there for that. Through Jesus. Amen. He himself has done the reconciling. That is, or has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I want us all to do something. What is God's will for my life? And every single one of us can say I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
I've been given the word of reconciliation. And I want us to backtrack in our own personal life for a second and realize that the call of God is not about what I'm going to do. The call of God for every single believer is for His glory. Amen. No matter what it is, every single person that claims Jesus as their Lord and Savior, their job, their duty, what we get to do, amen, is bring Jesus glory. And how He does that, it doesn't matter. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor of a 600-person church. It's awesome. It's great. It's wonderful. Pastor's going to agree with this, hopefully. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're at your job, right? I pick up dirty laundry all day. That's my job, pretty much. And every single moment of doing that, I get to bring Him glory. Yeah. Amen? Every single moment of it. Now, before we sort of get on a little bit further, I want us to define three simple words in this scripture that help us all make sure that we realize as a unified body what we're talking about and where we're going. The first one is reconciliation or reconcile. It simply means to change or exchange something for equal value. And the definition that we're going to stick with for the rest of, for the rest of this time is to return to favor with. Reconciliation means to return to favor with. With. Does everybody get that? The second word is ministry. The simple word, and we're going back to original Greek, all that good old, good old stuff, right? Ministry just means to serve. That's it. It's not difficult. It's not hard. It may not be glamorous. It may be glamorous. But it doesn't matter. It's to serve. And the last word to make sure that we're all on the same page is the word impute. These are all those Christianese words that half of us don't know, and it's okay. The Holy Spirit can still teach us definitions. Amen. <laughs> impute means to take into account or to weigh against, but the Scripture says that He does not impute. So in other words, it means that He does not take into account, and He does not weigh against. So when we look back at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, that God was... In Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not imputing, not counting, not weighing against their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Our duty as believers is to proclaim a finished gospel. One whose maker has paved the way himself for every single person to freely and boldly approach him. Now, what does this favor look like? How do we... Display the favor of God. And this is going to be something, I'm going to be up front, it's going to be hard to apply. The good thing about the hard things of Scripture is grace is the ability to do what we can't do on our own. Amen? And so every single time that we go through, we're going to shoot four points really quick. I'm going to try my best. My goodness. This ain't fair. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So we're going to look at four avenues or ways that we show forth the favor of God. Remember, this isn't, the gospel isn't about me anymore. Once I get saved, it's not about me. I get the benefit of having Jesus as my brother in Christ. I get the benefit of having God as my father. Everything is going to be met. I'm good, right? And we learn day, to, day by day that we are good. Amen? And so if I live my life... Wanting to show forth the glory of God, wanting to show forth the favor of God. These are four ways that we're going to do that. The first one is having a revelation of my personal reconciliation with God. Having a personal understanding that me and God are good. 
Amen? This is the first step. Everything else catapults off of us having an, uh, the understanding that God is not mad at me. Amen? If you're a believer in Christ, wrath is not stored up for you. Somebody get set free on that. Amen? <laughs> wrath is not stored up for you. Religion has, man, it's messed up the church so much. To where we think that God is holding his children under his wrath. We could get on a whole subject on that, but we're going to try to stay in that time frame. Personal reconciliation, this is the first step. He has the belief that he has truly cast all my sin as far as the east is from the west, that he looks for me to sit with him in heavenly places, and that he has no wrath towards me. None. This is a concept that has to be broken off the body of Christ, that God has no wrath stored up for the children of God. Do we get that? Do we truly believe that? This is personal reconciliation, the revelation that me and God are good. Another Christianese word that we use is righteousness, right? And it simply means to be in right standing with God. When Ephesians 1 says that we are seated with Him in heavenly places, He's not going to pour out wrath on Himself while you're sitting with Him. Amen? 1 John 4, 17-18. This is, if there's a scripture that I would live by, it's this one right here. Love has been perfected among us in this. How has love been perfected? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. This scripture baffles me. And my goodness, does it create thanksgiving. How can you be bold on the day of judgment? When all of us, if you've grown up in church, you know that the day of judgment is terrible, horrible, awful. You know, like condemnation galore, fire, brimstone, hell, whatever. All the, all the scary things, right? But we're to have boldness on the day of judgment. How? Because love has been perfected among us. Personal revelation that we're good. This is what sets us apart from those that are, are, are claiming to know God. This is what set apart Jesus and the Pharisees, right? And Jesus claimed that he was a son of God. He is the son of God. But to the Pharisees, God had to condemn. He had to destroy. He had to do all the, the things. Boldness on the day of judgment is crazy unless you've been reconciled to God. This personal revelation is what will catapult us into the rest of this message and applying it. The second thing, we have a mission of reconciliation. The mission of reconciliation is simply telling people just what we said. You can come to a God who created you and he won't be mad. You will come under a place that there is no wrath stored up for you. You will come under a place to where you are in love and get to know the very man, the very God who created you before you were ever known. Amen? That's the message that we proclaim to the world. One of the most amazing things about salvation that I don't think that we really talk enough about is the, is the aspect of the wrath of God in salvation or outside of salvation. Let me say it like that. Is that, yes, 
there is a wrath of God stored up, right? We have an entire book, Revelation, about it, right? That is stored up for a specific time. But why is it stored up? Why is it stored up? Because that is what salvation is. is being set free from wrath. One, uh, a preacher from back in the 70s, um, he, he did an amazing uh, sermon on it, just simply about what, uh, what are we saved from. And the very first thing is we're saved from the wrath of God. We really are. And the benefit of it is not just that we're saved from the wrath, we're saved for His glory, for His joy, for His peace, to something. Amen? But this is simply the mission that we've been given. We've been given a gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose again with our sin. Romans 6, go back and read Romans 6, that he has taken our sin and that we are no longer under dominion of sin. No longer under dominion of sin. Man, goodness gracious. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, we all know this, right, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, what, might be saved. That's the gospel. The message that the world through him can get somewhere that they never could get on their own. These next two parts are more, I always like to, like to call it this, practically supernatural things that we have to do if we're going to obey the command of the ministry of reconciliation. The first one, or another way to put it is manifesting the favor of God, right? This first, uh, third one is reconciliation through forgiving others. This is a gospel message. And I was thinking about it while uh, uh, Brother Dean and David were talking. And um, We all know the scripture to where Jesus said that you'll do greater works. And immediately when we think of that, we think of miracles, right? I, I think of miracles, signs and wonders, all that type of stuff. But there's something in there that we miss a lot, and it's this. You cannot forgive somebody without the grace of God. It's impossible. The greater works, the greater works are signs and wonders and miracles, but one of the greatest works is the reconciliation of people together, a unified body of believers together doing something for His glory. Forgiving others and blessing enemies is an avenue of serving God's favor. You want to preach the gospel? Forgive. You want to preach the gospel? Forgive. We'll go to the last one. And I honestly, I do not think that I've ever heard this preached before. This is the hardest one. is reconciliation through asking for forgiveness. I'm not talking about your personal salvation any longer. I'm talking about the person that you've been the enemy to. The person that you've abused. The person that you hurt or have been harmful to. This is the one that we don't, we don't want to talk about. Come on. I've been the enemy in somebody's life. I've been the abuser in somebody's life. I've done the harm. And I don't want to say that everybody has, right? I want to, want to put us all under that, that you've all been the enemy. You've all hurt somebody. You've all been the terrible person. But there is an aspect that we have to remember is that if we want to experience the grace of God, we talked about this in, in Freedom Curriculum Sunday night, I think. 
is the power of God being released in your life is dependent on you doing something that you can't do. It is impossible, right, for me to come up to somebody that I've hurt and admit it, take responsibility for it. The church hates responsibility. Let's say it again. We hate responsibility. Hey. <laughs> we don't like it. We don't. But where we lack in responsibility, he pours out grace. I'm going to read one scripture as my five seconds closes out. Matthew 5, 21 and through 26. Listen, listen to this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be danger, in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Verse 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and remember that your brother has something against who? You. Me. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. First, go and show the favor of God to your brother. First, be reconciled and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly. Admit that you did wrong. Agree that you were the enemy. Agree that you caused the harm. Listen, we said it Sunday night. The person that you are the most angry at today and the person that is the most angry at you today gets saved tomorrow. Are you going to be upset when they're dancing in front of the throne with you? Are you still... Are you still going to harbor that in front of God, your same Father? Forgiveness is the gospel. Not just for me. For every single person that gets hurt, for every single person that gets abused, for every single person that gets harmed, the gospel is forgiveness. Signs and wonders are awesome. They are wonderful, but man, forgiveness is miraculous. I wanted to bring in um, Brother Dean and David's messages a little bit to, to sort of close this out. I wanted to start with Brother David's and just ask, are you listening to the word? Are you listening to the word? And I love what he had said about the light leading us. Because this is what happens. is When we read scriptures like Matthew 5. Just go back and read the whole chapter of Matthew 5. Study it. Let it pour into you like crazy. To bless your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Come on now. That's crazy. But are we listening? Am I submitting to the word of God? Or am I trying to rewrite the word of God for myself? Am I trying to create my own light to lead myself? And then with Brother Dean's waiting on the Lord. 
the season you're in, the door that is going to get you to the next one is going to always be forgiveness. The majority of the time that we are stuck in trials and tribulations is because there is a human being that Jesus Christ died for that either you refuse to forgive, you refuse to connect with, and you refuse to either take up responsibility and stop being the hindrance in somebody else's life. As a believer, amen, we're all in this together. We are all in this together. There's no one set apart that's not going to be there in front of his throne, right, as a believer. And I cannot harbor, I cannot harbor. And right now there are so many in this room who are, I would even go so far as sweating. Because to think about standing in front of the person that is your enemy. No, thank you. But this is what the altar call is going to be. Asking for grace. Taking responsibility. Say, my God, I need your grace. I need your ability in my life. So this is going to be the first thing that we're going to start with. This is okay. Is personal reconciliation. Like we said, it's the catapult to everything. If you do not have a revelation of Jesus Christ has fully set you free, has fully brought you under the grace of God, that's the very first step. In fact, I think uh, the prayer team, did we want to call the prayer team up? Because one of the things through all four of these, we need to utter, we need to actually speak and declare the truth of what has happened. So the first part of our altar call when we, get, when we start to pray is going to be, Father, I need a revelation. I need a revelation that me and you are good, that you have no wrath towards me, you are not condemning me, and allow the presence of God and the goodness of God to take you over. Allow Him to love you. Allow Him to show forth His glory and His favor. Allow reconciliation to be Sweep your mind. Sweep your body. That you and God are good. The second part, or the second group of people, are those that want to go. Amen? Those that want to go. Father, help me to proclaim this gospel of reconciliation. Help me to know what to do. How to, how to do it. Not be, and hear my heart when I say this. Allow the prayer to come out of your mouth. Allow me not to be any selfish anymore. Allow me not to be selfish anymore. People are lost and dying everywhere around us, around all of us. And if we don't take up the responsibility of the gospel, they will continue to be lost and dying. Amen? This is a responsibility that we have. Next is we have forgiving others. This is where we call upon the grace of God like never before. Amen? There are those that you need to forgive. And the altar team, I really want us to do this, is if there's somebody that comes up and, and says that I need help to forgive somebody, get them to speak the name. Get them to say, whoever, I forgive them. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.